welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you for tuning in again for another episode of Making Sense of Islam. Continuing with our themes of principles. Today I want to talk about dialogue. And it's the principles about dialogue, but it's framed under the concept of dialogue. So dialogue in itself is not necessarily the principle, but rather how we approach dialogue. And the reason I think this is important is if you... Uh, are an active member in a Muslim community, whether it be a Muslim community in the West, where you're a minority community, or anywhere in the world where you're a minority community listening, or if you are in the Muslim majority world, but you know you're part of a, a sub community, either you're you know you, you and students of a particular teacher, or you and your neighbors, or you and your family, or associations, or non for profits, etc. It's very common to have collaborations with other organizations, with other people. If you're a Muslim minority, uh, like I am in the West, then you have these interactions and collaborations with non-Muslim communities. And in recent years, unfortunately, because there's so so many uh, devastating events that are happening around the world in the name of faith, of, of all faiths really, these type of uh, outreach efforts from others towards Muslims has increased and also Muslims dialoguing, interacting, working with, collaborating others has also increased. So I think that when I talk about dialogue, I'm not necessarily talking about the classical interfaith dialogue, which is a term that I don't necessarily like. I was caught in that rut for for many years, almost a decade actually, and I have my own observations that I don't want to take the time to to share now. I don't think this is the, the right place to do that. Maybe it's a separate conversation or a separate episode. But there are these collaborations and interactions. So dialogue is what I mean by that. And one of the unique features about Islam, it's shared by other faiths, of course, but it's something that's very uh, prominent even from the prima facie reading of the Qur'an and the prima facie reading of the Hadith, is that Islam sees itself as a global faith uh, very clearly. And even many of the hadiths of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, saying that, you know, all of the prophets were sent to their people, but I was sent to mankind. So there's this ingrained belief in the psyche of the Muslim, maybe sometimes even unbeknownst to them, that Islam has a local perspective, of course, but also has a global perspective. And because of that, historically, Muslims were very comfortable, actually, interacting with other religions, faiths, traditions, philosophies, sciences, ways of thinking, etc. Even things that, you know, one might say 
at first glance, that's sort of in opposition to what we believe as Muslims. But historically, our ancestors, they had, they had no problems with that. They translated a host of things, uh, thought, religious texts, philosophical texts, scientific texts, etc. And they really got into it. There was this thirst for knowing. And I think that the thirst for knowing other than Islam, the first verse revealed was, you know, read in the name of your Lord, Iqra. And there's this idea of seeking knowledge is very meritorious in Islam and we have many hadith that speak about that and the Quran talks about people that know are not like the people that don't know it's like the difference between the living and the dead etc but there's also this global perspective so Islam sort of wants to know everything about everything because it sees all of that as part of its purview digest it bring it inside the folds of Islam understand it from our principled first principled context and then add and offer something as a commentary to it. I think that's a, a way of think. you know, you could see the pattern of the past. So it, it's a global, has a global perspective. And accordingly, not just in the aforementioned examples in which there were translations and academic works, but people, people interacted. There were Muslims that lived in all sorts of environments uh, throughout the world, in the East and in the West, in the North and the South, etc., and, and we were not always a majority. Oftentimes, and for, for centuries, we were actually a minority. And because of that, there was all of this interaction. So we actually have a lot of precedent and uh, inherit, inherited wisdom in how we interact and dialogue uh, with other people. That being said, one of the uh, approaches I think that we have in regards to dialogue is that we are not necessarily seeking through our collaboration and our engagement to respond to every little thing that's been said about Islam. And that is uh, sometimes can be frustrating for people to hear that or for even for people to try to act that out. So the, any, if, if any two people come together and they disagree about anything, then we have created controversy. So if I... Uh, walk with you outside and I point to a tree and I say, you know, this is a uh, an oak tree. And then somebody says, no, this is uh, uh, an evergreen, you know, and we're fighting. Then we've created controversy about what tree. Now, somebody's probably right. Maybe we're both wrong. Uh, there's some kind of confusion somewhere, but we have created some type of misconception. So from that point of view, anything in Islam can be a misconception. Even Muslims themselves have misconceptions about Islam itself with each other as an intra-faith type of phenomena. So our point is not by dialogue, it's not, we're not going to sit down and, and articulate and address and respond to every single thing that has been said or missaid about our faith. And actually this is, uh, to, to, to put it in simple terms, this is a sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him, because he himself did not respond to all of the criticism that he received, all of the critique, you know, people called him a sorcerer, a magician, they called him a liar, they called him a poet, this, they called him that, they made fun of his name, peace be upon him. He didn't respond to any of those things, but rather he stood for the truth and demonstrated the truth when the opportunity uh, arose for that. So he took the high ground. He didn't, he didn't stick himself or, or get stuck in the minutia, but rather he looked at the meta-principles uh, in a paradigmatic way, and he left us with these, uh, with these examples. So this is actually the sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So that's, I think, an important entry uh, point to the concept of, of, of dialogue. Also related to that, 
I guess you could ask yourself why 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 don't we don't these things need to be responded to don't don't we need to correct all of these misconceptions yes but if we want to correct the misconception we can do that in multiple ways so by uh, focusing on the positive, focusing on what's true about our faith, not what's false, or not responding to what's false, we are addressing that. If we are subconsciously assuming by correcting misconceptions that we want to guide people to our way, then that's where the mistake is. Because God says in the Quran, uh, in Allah, in, addressing the Prophet, peace be upon him, Allah says, you can't guide who you want. We guide whom we will. So guidance from our faith perspective is something that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. There's no human agency in that. If anyone had the power to guide someone, it would have been the Prophet, peace be upon him. But yet there were people, even from his own family, that didn't believe and died on that disbelief and died fighting him. So if you understand that, then you sort of relinquish this... Uh, obsessiveness about I need to respond to everything and how could they say that and I got to get out there and, and this and that there's there's no need to do that because our job is not to guide our job is simply to demonstrate what is positive when and where we can that being said there are a few sub principles to dialogue that I want to lay out hopefully as a guide for people that engage in this, whether it's in a community level or whether it's an academic level or whether it's through organizations or even people that are diplomats or junior diplomats, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I believe that these uh, guideline points will help you in your approach to dialoguing, to conversing, to collaborating with others. The first is that one of the nice things about dialogue collaboration is that it pushes each side to articulate their own point so something might be known to me and might be easy for me to understand in my mind but that's different from me articulating it in clear language in this case the language that we're using is english to, to articulate that in clear english to somebody who not only might not know what i'm talking about but might have preconceived notions about what I'm talking about that are erroneous. So it's even more difficult. But I, my, my performance, to use that word, is only going to be as good as my ability to articulate myself and to articulate my points and to make what I know in my mind or what I believe in my heart to, to, to help make that clear to the other person as clear as it is for me. And, that, and vice versa. The other person or persons or groups, group or groups, plural, around the table, their performance is only going to be as good as that they can articulate. Because when it comes to dialogue in the name of religion or, or when Islam is involved in dialogue, oh, there's a host of misconceptions on both sides, uh, unfortunately. So that's what's nice, because if you can't make your ideas articulate and sharp and crisp, then maybe they're not sharp and crisp to you in the first place. Maybe it's emotion that you have inside you, not a coherent concept. So sometimes, you know, you take a step back and you look at yourself, well, did, is that, what do I really mean by this point or by that point? So that's one of the unique features about 
dialogue. The second point is that in the beginning, the goal, one of the most uh, immediate goals of co collaboration, dialogue, discussion, discourse, etc., is to come to an agreement on terms and definitions. And Ibn Hazm, the famous uh, scholar Ibn Hazm, Hazm rahimahullah, he actually said that in the process of defining, coming to an agreement of the definition of terms, three-fourths, three-fourths of misconceptions are dealt with. So oftentimes, and I, and I have seen this myself in my own experience over the last couple decades doing this in, in different capacities, is that oftentimes we mean different things, we're using the same words, but we mean different things by them. Or we are using different words to mean the same thing. But when I hear the other person's word, it means something else to me. And when they hear my word, it means something else to them. But when we analyze it, we're actually saying the exact same thing. We just have two different terms that we're using for it. And when you get to that level uh, quickly it really makes the, the process smooth because then everyone knows what they're talking about. It's almost like you have like a little cheat sheet. So every time somebody on the other side uses this word or this concept, this is what they mean by it. Okay, it's clear. And then I can try to approximate from with a term from our own tradition or I might even just adopt that term and be like, okay, I agree, we'll just use it this way, that's fine. And I can substitute some of my points by using that word which we have all agreed to the meaning of. And... What I'm saying, you know, even even this even applies to negotiation or business contracts, agreements, uh, you know, when lawyers are involved and businesses are trying to work together or businesses are trying to acquire one another, buyout, etc., IPO, all of these, it's the same thing. You have to come to an idea, a standard meaning of terms. And oftentimes in contracts, there will be a, in the very beginning of the contract, in the earlier pages, there will be a couple of sheets about terms. You know, this is what the, what, this document means by these different terms. So it's a natural part of interacting with, with other people. Now related to that is that dialogue, collaboration, discourse also entails questions. And this is something that's very Quranic. Uh, many times we, we have episodes in the Quran in which the prophets discourse with God by asking God questions or the angels themselves which is interesting because in our belief system the angels don't have free will but rather they, they only carry out God's commands so when God says I'm going to place a vicegerent a khalifa on earth the verses in, in Surah Al-Baqarah the angels ask God why would you do that you know they're just going to create mischief and things like that and, and then God uh, comes back and you know asks a question to them and there's this dialogue between God and the angels and those questions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not the angels being rude because they have no free will so they don't have the capacity to do that but rather helping them arrive at a, a cleaner, pure understanding of what God means by this statement I'm going to send or place a vicegerent on earth. And the same thing with the prophets. When the prophets ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different contexts throughout the Qur'an, it's also a way for them to arrive at a better understanding of what He is asking of them. Not to question God, but to ask a question of God. So there's a difference. So in dialogue, when we uh, ask questions of one another, the purpose should be for clarity. That I, I want to clarify, uh, I want clar clarity on what you're saying, 
and maybe somebody needs clarity from me. And related to this, the other principle or you know point that I want to make is that the point of this engagement between different groups is not that we want the other side to be convinced with what we're saying. Neither do I want to be convinced of what they're saying, nor, nor do I want them to be convinced of what I'm saying. But my job and my goal, the meta goal of all of this dialogue, is to arrive at clarity. We are clear on the concepts. We are clear on the terms. We are clear on definitions. We are clear on positions. We are also clear on where the misconceptions were. And we have isolated them. So it's, it's, it's a very refreshing process. Now we have this clarity. Sometimes, and the, the reason, just going back, again, I'll make a reference to it, but not necessarily want to talk about it. The reason I don't like interfaith dialogue as a, as a concept or a term is that in many instances, and this is something that I've experienced, so maybe it's just my bad experience, but, but in many times when I was at that, it was like a euphemism for, you know, we're going to convince the other side that they're wrong or that the religion is bad and that we're right and, you know, they're going to see the light and everyone's going to believe and that's very superficial. Uh, that's not going to happen, nor is that the goal. I don't want that from for the other side, and I don't want the other side to want that for me. But rather, there's another goal, meta goal of the dialogue. Uh, after we get through articulating, and after we get through defining the terms and the definitions, and after we get through all of the cl questions that clarify, why are we doing all of this? We are doing all of this to find what the common ground is, where the, where the common points are. If there are enough common points, and believe me, there are, therefore, there are so many common points that therefore taking a step together in some type of action together, being faithful to our own beliefs and terms and conditions and, and, and meta-principles, all of those kind of things, so not diluting ourselves into one another, but we can march forward and then do something positive together that's exponentially more impactful than if we were to do it by ourselves. So the meta goal of this exercise is to find those common points. And you're not going to be able to find those common points unless you do those things that we just mentioned about terms and questions and clarity and definitions and concepts and misconceptions. It's, you have to get all that stuff out of the way and then when you see that there is this uh, overwhelming overlap of commonality on whatever the issue is that we, we, we've decided to get together to talk about, then the, the logical question is, okay, so then therefore, why don't we tackle this problem together? It could be the problem of, and here I'm talking about you know, systemic problems that, that really only civil society can help solve, you know, problems like poverty. Problems like hunger, problems like racism or xenophobia, problems like abuse, drug abuse, substance abuse, problems like migration, etc. These are, are social problems that, that threaten all of us. They, they, they care neither for creed nor religion. And because religion remains in different levels, of course, but a strong force around the world. And again, I know in, in, in the West, not so much as in other places of the world. But in the West also, you know, if you understand 
religion a certain way, you will see that people of faith and faith communities actually are amongst the most philanthropic, uh, a lot of exchange of money uh, to faith organizations, and therefore a lot of power and ability to affect serious, serious change. Those are the things that, you know, are, are in my, my target. How do we do that? We can't do that alone. There's no way on earth we are going to be able to do any of these things alone. Maybe even if all of us get together, we're only going to make a dent in some of those problems. But we're sure, as, you know, sure surely not going to do it if we're all by ourselves thinking that the other person is, is bad and evil and we're the only ones that are right, etc. So this sort of, I think, maybe is a, is a good place where we come full circle to, this, to, the, to the concept of a dialogue, a collaboration, is that the goal is clear, uh, to find those points of commonality, but we're only going to get there if we, you know, get through uh, the steps at arriving at clarity. And then to tie this back with the Prophet, peace be upon him, that's why there's no utility in thinking that we have to respond to every little single thing that has been said or done, because that's not going to help. And, you know, I mean, as childish as it sounds, I'm always reminded of that, you know, saying that we always knew growing up, sticks and stones uh, might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, there are going to be people out there that don't like us, that don't like you, that are going to make fun of you. Okay, I mean, you have to get over that. If, if you want everyone to love you, then just don't do anything. You know, just be a yes man all the time. But if you want to make a difference, you know, you're going to have to go against the grain at some point, uh, ruffle a little feathers, uh, people might get a little bit annoyed, a little bit upset. But if you're clear, the way that the Prophet was clear about what he was trying to do, you will win people's respect and love and admiration at the end. And what we want is we want to uh, have mutual respect and, and, and care for one another. That's what a philanthropist is. F philanthropy, the word, means love of, of humans. We all should be philanthropists. We should all love humanity and want good for, for our own race, our own people. And uh, because these problems really that we're facing now, I mean, as a parent, I, sometimes, you know, this stuff that keeps me and my wife up at night is when we talk about our children and the future that, you know, what's going to happen in the future and how things have changed so much since we were kids. And, you know, we're not that old. Uh, a lot of other parents have the same set of problems. So if we go to a dinner party or a barbecue or, you know, a function, um, and there's a, a diversity in the, you know, it's not like all Muslim families, there's, there's a diversity we always have those things in common. So those type of gatherings are very easy. That's a form of dialogue. That's what I'm talking about. That's also a form of, you know, they don't see us as the weird Muslim family. They see us as another concerned uh, couple that has children. They're also concerned. They have children. And we, we're talking about how can we mitigate some of these problems. Now, that's just a microcosm of the bigger problems. If you extrapolate then to the larger problems that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, then you'll see that, that this understanding dialogue in the way that I've outlined is, is quite important. I'll leave it there. I could go on and on and on. I could dialogue with you on and on and on, but uh, I don't think that would be doing either of us any favors. So I'll leave it there. Again, uh, some stuff will be in the show notes to help guide you. Uh, we have a few more principles to go, and then I'll shift gears into something else. Uh, again, I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback from, from everyone, so thank you. I have a couple of uh, topics that I want to address in the coming uh, months that have been recommendations. And please don't forget to, to reach out to me either through social media or my email address, uh, info at coexistresearch.com. Uh, if you have a, a topic that you'd like me to consider putting together material for the podcast. And with that, uh, I hope you're, you will be well and talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>